Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. It is my privilege today to, to introduce Dr. Mac Peer. He and his wife have been our friends for um, over 25 years, and friends and ministry partners, and they are just wonderful. It's so such an honor to have them here. I'm going to read a little bit of his bio. It takes a few minutes, but when you have done as many things for the kingdom of God as Dr. Mac Peer and his wife, Maria, have done thus far, it takes a little, it's amazing, and it takes a little while to read it all. Dr. Peer and his wife moved to New York City from South Dakota in, excuse me, yeah, 1984. He served for 13 years with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, overseeing 15 campuses as area director. In 1988, he founded Concerts of Prayer with colleagues from Here's Life Inner City. To date, more than 250,000 people from 2,000 churches have participated in the Metro New York City prayer movement. Dr. Peer and Dr. Tim Keller co-founded the Church Multiplication Multiplication Alliance in 2003. Its emphasis on united prayer and church planting was a catalyst for the 500% growth of evangelical Christianity in Manhattan from 1989 to 2014. In 2008, responding to the expressed needs of local pastors and leaders, Dr. Peer founded the New York City Leadership Center which was renamed movement.org in 2018. Movement Day began shortly thereafter in 2010. Since then, leaders from 400 cities and 95 countries have participated in Movement Day expressions with new cities being added monthly. Movement.org is currently tracking with leaders in 500 cities globally. And my husband and I have been privileged to participate in several of those movement days, one of them in Greece, and then just a couple of weeks ago in Dubai. And it is just amazing to see um, what God is doing through movement day. As um, I've explained to some people, when you get to travel with Dr. Pierre and Maria, you kind of get this um, airplane view of things that are going on in the kingdom of God. And it's just amazing to see the things that are happening globally through their ministry. Um, Dr. Pierre earned his master's, master's of Arts degree in religion from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and his doctorate at Palmer Theological Seminary. He's the author and co-author of 10 books, including a series, A Disruptive Gospel, A Disruptive Generosity, and A Disruptive God. Um, this is one of, one of the books. He, he brought um, a lot of these books with him. They'll be in the resource lounge afterwards, and he's willing to sign them if you'd like him to. I highly recommend all of them, but especially a disruptive gospel based on some Psalm 23. I just love, love it. So um, take a look at it afterwards. Um, Dr. Peer, Mac, and Maria have been, um, have lived together in New York City for 35 years, and they have three married children and five grandchildren. And we are just so honored to have them Terry and I often say that um, when history, the, the Christian and uh, history books are written about now, our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and after 
will read about the ministry that they have done. Dr. Pierce's name will be in those books because they've done so many wonderful things for the kingdom of God. And it's such a privilege to introduce him and to have him speak with us today. So if you would please give a warm welcome to Dr. Mac Pierce. <clears throat> it's a great privilege to be here, and it's been a joy to see the Life Christian Church develop and grow and impact so much of the world, uh, going b back to the days when the church was meeting in a bowling alley, and just to see this site develop over the last decade. This morning, uh, I want to speak on the theme of generosity, and the question that I want to begin with as we think about why generosity is so important is, is, is this very simple question, uh, what is your why? What is your why? What is it that, that gets you out of bed in the morning? What is it that you want to be said about you uh, at the end of your life? And to connect that why with this idea of generosity, because generosity, generosity becomes the acceleration of whatever it is that God has put in your heart uh, to take place. We're going to be looking at the life of Barnabas uh, this morning, and I want to just read a few verses as we get started from Acts chapter 9. And this is the story of how Barnabas really surrounded the life of Saul after Saul's conversion in Acts chapter 9, and how he really became a, bene a benefactor, an encourager, an advocate, a discipler. So this is the, the passage that begins in verse 26. Uh, in Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray this morning that, that you would speak into each of our hearts, that you would help us to grasp afresh your generosity, especially as we approach this season of Good Friday and, and as we approach Easter, to see that your magnificent generosity that has made it possible for each of us to be in this place this, this morning. So we give you thanks for that and invite you to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a, there was a famous dinner that took place in 2009 in the city of Princeton. Uh, there's a friend of mine, his name is Bob Dahl. Bob was the, uh, he was the chief, he was the chief investment officer <clears throat> for a group called BlackRock, which is the largest uh, in money management group in the world. And Bob was a very committed Christian. He played organ at his church, uh, really a great heart for the kingdom. And so he and his wife, Leslie, got invited to this dinner. They were going to meet at the dinner for the first time a man by the name of Doug Birdsall. Doug was, Doug was directing a gathering in Cape Town, South Africa in 2010 called Lazon. Lazon was something that Billy Graham started in 1974. And it was an attempt to bring 5,000 leaders from around the globe together to really ask the question, what is God doing in the earth, and how can we be a much bigger part of it? So Bob and Leslie spoke to each other on the way to the dinner, and they said, this is a big cause. We'd really like to get behind it. We'd really like to consider writing a check for $100,000. That's a big gift. So they go to the dinner. They're meeting with Doug. 
And at the, end of the, at the end of the dinner, Doug says, I don't know what you were thinking about giving, but if you're thinking about giving $100,000, I'd like you to add a zero. And the dolls agreed. So they left that night, they committed a million dollars to this initiative, and that initiative has ex- exploded the gospel all over the world because of leaders who met one another in Cape Town in 2010. I actually met Bob for the first time in Cape Town at that meeting with, along with Dr. Tim Keller, and we created this three-legged stool. Tim was the minister, Bob was the marketplace leader, and I was the missionary. And as a result of that gathering and our collaborative model, we've been able to see the gospel grow in these hundreds of cities around the planet. But Bob was challenged to a new level of generosity. And I'd like us this morning to consider a new level of generosity in a variety of ways that may express itself. And we're going to look at the life of Barnabas. We can put Barnabas up on the screen. So Barnabas was, was a first century Jew. He was a Cypriot Jew. Uh, he was declared to be an apostle. Uh, he, he mentored Saul, who became Paul, and they journeyed together for three years. And I would... I would say that the most important person after the ascension, after Jesus went into heaven, was Barnabas. If there was no Barnabas, there would have been no Paul. We probably wouldn't be here today if Barnabas had not done what he did 2,000 years ago. Uh, Next slide. So one of the first things that Barnabas did in the passage that that I just read, that Barnabas validated the calling of Saul in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 is one of the great stories in the Bible. It is the story of how Saul was traveling to Damascus. Damascus is the oldest city in the world at 5,000 years. And at that time, Saul was the most violent racist of the first century. He was capturing Christians. He was putting them in prison and sentencing some of them to death. And in that journey in Acts chapter 9, he's riding on his horse, and he's confronted by a blinding light and he's knocked off his horse, he's lying on the ground, and he hears a voice. And the voice he hears asks him this question, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's the voice of Jesus, and it's the most interesting question in the New Testament. The reason it's interesting is because he doesn't ask, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? In that moment, Saul connects this idea that Jesus had such an intimate relationship with his church that to persecute the church was to persecute Jesus. And as the story unfolds, Saul is led into Damascus. A man by the name of Ananias is sent to him. He places his hand on Saul's shoulder, and he says the two most tender words in the New Testament, Brother Saul. Saul, who had been the most violent racist, now becomes a person called by Jesus to take the gospel throughout Western Asia and Southern Europe all the way to Rome. That's his calling. And then he goes to Jerusalem, but nobody will believe him. Nobody. When they sent Ananias to speak to him, Ananias was scared out of his wit. Sending Ananias to Saul was like sending a rabbi to Hitler. He was scared for his life. But Barnabas shows up. Barnabas validates the calling on Saul's life And from that moment of validation, Saul is empowered to preach the gospel in Jerusalem and eventually throughout Western Asia and Southern Europe. 
So one of the questions this morning is, who are the people that God is placing in your life that you need to be a validator for? There's a woman that we work with in India. Her name is Kavitha. Uh, She lives in the city of Chennai, and she has a great burden for other women in India. It has been reported that 36% of all the suicides in the world take place among Indian women between the ages of 15 and 40. That is part of Kavitha's burden. She wants to make a difference, so she has been mobilizing women in these large Indian cities to help these women understand their self-esteem, to understand the power of the gospel. And so what we do as validators, what I do as a validator is I find resources for for Kavitha, we provide training, we really want to empower and scale. Each of us needs to have a Barnabas in our lives and we need to be a Barnabas to another person. So part of living generously is exercising this level of validation in the lives of others. Next slide. In Acts chapter 11, as the story progresses, uh, Paul goes out into the desert, and in the, in the desert, he thinks about what it is that he's learning about Jesus and formulating uh, his, his, his plan for the future. Barnabas shows up in the great city of Antioch, which is one of the great ports of Western Asia. And in this city, people were beginning to follow Jesus, who were African, who were from Asia, who were Jewish, and who were European. And the church was so diverse that they simply called them Christian for the first time. And, And Barnabas comes to Antioch, and he sees this church growing, and he goes out into the desert. He finds Paul, and he brings him back to Antioch, and together... Together, they teach the early church in Antioch, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And in this experience, at the end of that year, they take an offering, and they take that offering to the church in Jerusalem, which is primarily Jewish, and they provide resources so that the starving church in Jerusalem can eat. It has been said that that. Paul had to take the hunger offering to Jerusalem before he could take the gospel offering to the Gentiles. And this is very important as we think about this time of year as we head toward Good Friday and and Easter. The reason this is so important is that the gospel basically communicates that Jesus lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. And in his death, Jesus put death to death. This is the message of the early church. This was the message of of Paul as he began to preach the gospel throughout that part of the world. Next slide. As they stay in the city of Antioch, they have this really significant prayer meeting. It takes place in Acts chapter 13 in the first three verses. This is what is written. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. They had just gone to Jerusalem to provide the hunger offering, and that's really important. Our generosity needs to meet the physical needs of other people. Pastor Terry uh, traveled with me to Rwanda, and over the course of a decade, uh, we took 175 pastors to East Africa, and we were able 
to sponsor 11,000 children. It raised about $20 million, and and those 11,000 sponsored children benefited over 600,000 people. And it was an act of generosity by a number of churches that were working together. And in this story, in Acts chapter 13, 1 through 3, they're in this prayer meeting. And as they are in this prayer meeting, they hear the voice of Jesus, which says, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to where I will send them. At that moment in in church history, the early church was about 95 to 99% Jewish. The church began in Jerusalem and saw the conversion of people who had come from a Jewish background. This meant that that 99% of the globe, which were the Gentiles, had yet to hear the gospel. And that is why, that is why this prayer meeting is so important. God was setting aside Barnabas and Paul so they could go to the 99% in these great cities in Western Asia and Southern Europe. At the time of the ascension, it is estimated that there were 25,000 followers of Jesus. Fast forward to the year 312, Constantine the emperor declares himself to be a Christian, and the church had grown from 25,000 to 20 million. Christianity grew 800 times in 300 years. And that happened initially because Barnabas and Paul were called out of this prayer meeting and sent to the great churches, the great cities of Western Asia and Southern Europe. Uh, In the introduction, Sharon had mentioned my work with Tim Keller. Uh, Redeemer Presbyterian began in Manhattan in 1989. During the 1980s, we estimate there were only 9,000 people who attended Orthodox churches in Manhattan from an island of 1.5 million people. Tim tells the story that when they were getting ready to plant Redeemer, they had 500 churches that prayed every day for their successful planting of that church. In the year 2000, Tim invited me to create with him what became known as the Church Multiplication Alliance. Churches 10 years and younger are eight times more effective in reaching new people. We began this alliance in the year 2003. Six years later, we did the research, and it indicated that there was a 300% growth in churches. By the year 2014, the 300% had become 500%. And and now, today, there are 60,000 people in church in Manhattan that were not in church 40 years ago. That is the same spirit. That is the same spirit that God called Barnabas and Saul to go to the great cities of Western Asia and Southern Europe. And, and this represents a, the kind of journeying together. God wants to pair us off to journey together, to mentor one another. Uh, Pastor Terry and Sharon were with us in Dubai uh, three weeks ago when we had our Movement Day Middle East. We had leaders from 156 cities and 45 nations in the room. We had 11 countries from the Middle East that were represented. We had 300 South Asians in the room. We had leaders from parts of the world like Central Asia, where people who who go to church are 0.02%. And they were coming to be inspired by the idea of what's possible. And so just as, just as Barnabas was investing in Paul, so we were investing in these leaders all over the world that will go back and see 
the tremendous growth of the gospel in their part of the world. Next slide. And the final snapshot of Barnabas is back, I'm going to go back to the beginning in Acts chapter 4. As the early church is getting established, uh, we, we read about Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. We read about the miracle of Peter and, and, and John in Acts chapter 3. But in Acts chapter 4, it talks about how the, the early Christians, they shared all things in common. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why the early church grew, because the, the church was generous and sacrificial. And in chapter 4, down in verse 30. Down in verse 36, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. There is a dimension of generosity which includes sharing our financial resources. The question we always want to ask as we think about generosity in our own lives isn't primarily how much we give, it's how much do we keep. How much do we keep? And there are moments in our journey where God calls us to, to trust him in an extraordinary way. When Mari and I moved to New York City in 1984, we were 25 years old, Mari was three months pregnant, and we had no place to live. But what we've seen God do over the last 40 years is that God has always transcended our risk with his provision. We don't want to be foolish. We don't want to, we don't want to be presumptuous in terms of what God will, will do for us. But at the same time, God invites us to risk. I, I shared at the beginning of this message the story of Bob Dahl. Bob got very involved with us in 2011. And over the last 12 years, because of his involvement and credibility, he has attracted other senior marketplace leaders. And our organization grew 500% in five years. And because of that growth, we've been able to impact cities around the world that we would never have been able to do so otherwise. God can use one person. God can use you and your generosity and however you express that to really change the arc of Christianity locally and around the world. I know that you're working on this Easter offering, and, and I believe that there are probably two or three people in here who have the ability to add a zero to their giving. Whoever, that, whoever you are, allow God to speak to your heart because it will change the trajectory of lives all over the world. Last slide. In Singapore, we had the opportunity to gather with leaders from, a, from 120 cities and 33 nations. This is very important to, to us personally because we have, we have in-law children uh, from India, from Brazil, and the Philippines. Uh, we have five grandchildren. None of them have blue eyes because our children are, have all married internationally, and so we have a great burden and concern for this part of the world. And this gathering, uh, this picture behind me represents really 40 years of work to bring leaders together to think critically about what God might do through them in their cities around the world. Uh, when Mari and I traveled to North India in 1983, 40 years ago, we went to a state the size of Nebraska. It was a state that had 100 million people, and the ratio of Hindus and Muslims to Christians was 100,000 to 1. And yet, as we traveled there, as we prayed with, with the leaders there, we have seen God do amazing things over the last four decades. And as you think about what you are working on as a, as a congregation, you will see that, that the seeds that are sown this year in your, 
in your, your Christmas and Easter offering will bear fruit for decades and generations and centuries to come. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I thank you for these friends that have been such an important part of this great church. And I pray that, that you will use the seeds of this idea around generosity to help us understand what you can do through a generous life. And I ask God that everything that you've put in the hearts of, this, of these leaders here, but also the congregation, would come to fruition. And we ask God that you would move very powerfully in Jesus' name. Amen.